reading is taken from Luke chapter 9, verses 18 to 27. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Liz, and good morning, everyone. My name's Andy Roughhead. I'm the curate here at St. Paul's. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Holy Father, just as we've been singing, the name of Jesus is like honey on our lips. Uh, Your Holy Spirit is like water to our souls, and your word is a lamp to our feet. Lord, how we love you. And uh, Lord, we're gathered here uh, around your word. Ask that you'd send your Holy Spirit to lead us and to speak to us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Whoever wants to be my disciple, Jesus said, must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. So far in Luke's Gospel, we've been journeying through Luke's Gospel, and the big question has been, who is Jesus? Who who is this one who heals like this? Who is it that loves like this? Who is it that teaches like this? Who is it that invites like this? Who is it that breaks the power of darkness? Like this? Who is it who calls us to justice like this? We've just seen um, in the last chapter Jesus' power over the storm, uh, over the demons, 
over disease and death and over uh, using a family lunch to, to feed a multitude. And now, the, now the, the answer comes. It's like one of those hot weeks like we've been having, and it builds up and builds up. And when's the thunderstorm coming? And it comes. Suddenly it breaks open. Jesus says, you are the Messiah. You're the Son of God. And many of us will have experienced that, you know, that, that kind of building up while we've been seeking or perhaps while we've been growing up in, in a Christian family or growing up in church, coming along to, uh, to Christian things. And there's that, that moment. You might be able to remember it. It might be a particular moment you can think back to. Maybe it was just a process and you, you, found, yourself, uh, you found yourself a Christian uh, recognizing Jesus as the Son of God. Maybe it was recently for you. Maybe it was a very long time ago. Perhaps you're still searching. Uh, for me, that moment I remember, uh, I, was, I grew up in a Christian family, um, but it wasn't until I was, I was eight years old, I was living in a West African country called Cote d'Ivoire, um, Ivory Coast, where my parents were missionaries, and uh, they worked at a school there, and this, uh, this American missionary came for a week, and he shared the gospel with us. And it just, I just was like, yes, I want it. I want in on this. And so as I went to bed that night and I pulled the mosquito net around my bunk bed in the dorm, I prayed, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. Um, and see, that's, that in a sense is just the start of the journey, isn't it? And it's the start for Peter and the 12, because Peter speaks on behalf of of the 12 here, recognizing Jesus is the Messiah. And the rest of Luke's like, now the, the hinge turns. Now it's, okay, what kind of Messiah is Jesus? And Jesus begins to elaborate. And actually, Jesus says some really shocking things about what it means to follow Jesus and what, what kind of Messiah he is. He disavows us of any notions of grandeur in following him. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. You know, many at the time thought that the Messiah was going to be this strong man, political warrior king who was going to get Israel's army together and overthrow the Roman occupiers from the Holy Land, start a new uh, kingdom. Um, uh, so much so, actually, that uh, when Matthew and Mark, in their gospel accounts, recount this event, uh, they actually include that Peter takes Jesus to one side and tries to give him a bit of a telling off. Uh, let's pick up in Mark. Um, it says, Jesus spoke plainly about this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Uh, really gracious that Luke spares Peter's blushes and leaves that out, but it is therefore, as we know, that it happened. The thing is, for Jesus, rather than being a military conqueror, a populist leader, he actually came to die the death of failed rebels. You got crucified if you went up against the might of Rome and you lost. Um, Jesus came to, to bring God's upside-down kingdom, where, which works in completely the opposite way to how worldly political forces work. And at St. Paul's, we seek to follow Jesus, don't we? 
It's written in the bricks. We seek to follow Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. What does that mean, though? What does it mean according to Jesus? He begins to elaborate that for us now. And perhaps the more pertinent question, are we prepared to live it out in our lives day by day? So let's, let's look at that, that statement of Jesus. just going to use that as our launch pad um, this morning. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. So the first point is this. To follow Jesus means denying yourself. Let's follow him by denying ourselves. In a world that prioritizes personal pleasure and comfort, Jesus calls us to sacrificially deny ourselves as we follow him and his example. In a culture that's obsessed with self-indulgence and self-actualization, the way of Jesus is self-denial. Um, now, I saw a, a Galaxy chocolate advert. We've been having some chocolate for Father's Day. Um, not Galaxy. So giving Galaxy a bit of free advertising. I saw this earlier this week. This popped up. Um, on my phone, targeted to me. Perhaps you've been targeted with it too. Um, and so Galaxy's saying, your pleasure has promise. And uh, it's part of a campaign saying, you know, we're donating money uh, from the sales of Galaxy chocolate to, uh, to help those in need around the world, and particularly women around the world. That's great. Really, really good um, that that's happening. But I just, when I saw it, I, and preparing to preach on this passage, I just wondered what Jesus would make um, of this statement. I don't think he'd be too impressed, actually, because this idea, your pleasure has promise, illustrates actually a core value of the worldly culture in which uh, we live, which is that my pleasure comes first, and after that, well, maybe it's nice if that could cause someone some good. Um, that should be the vehicle that helps others, because I have a right to be comfortable um, and to, uh, to eat chocolate. Uh, it assumes like we're indul you're indulging anyway, might as well buy Galaxy, and, uh, and that <laughs> what you're investing in is going to go uh, to do some good. You know, now, I'm not bashing on Galaxy, I like it as much as anyone else, but... Uh, the <laughs> There's something I, I would suggest quite disturbing about that and, and quite revealing, actually, about uh, the way that our culture um, goes about life and how it reacts, perhaps, to or the intersection of Jesus' words here. Jesus goes on to say, he talks about it in these terms, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world? yet lose or forfeit their very self. If our focus is on what we can get out of or store up for this life, Jesus says we're actually losing perspective um, on what is needful for our souls, the thing that's really necessary uh, for us. Um, Alexander the Great was a, oh, here's a picture of his empire, it was this um, uh, ancient uh, Greek king and general um, in the ancient world a few centuries before Christ. And uh, he embarked on a conquest of the whole known world, um, which lasted 
nine years, um, and he died uh, during. If you, if you see there, it does actually, it has a line which kind of plots where he went with his army, and it sort of ends um, in, uh, in Babylon, Babylonia, because that's uh, where he eventually died. Um, his goal unattained, um, and soon after he died, the whole empire collapsed. Um, and later, the, the Roman poet Juvenal uh, wrote this about him. The world was not big enough for Alexander the Great, but a coffin was. The world wasn't big enough for him, his ambition. Nothing could satiate it. But for all of us, a coffin is big enough. No matter if you're Elon Musk or another big billionaire, or uh, you perhaps are of you feel like you're a very low standing or worldly resources, um, a coffin will be big enough uh, in the end. Uh, Jesus points to what, what is beyond uh, this life. Uh, so to follow Jesus by denying yourself, I want to suggest, is to live by faith. Two quick ways we can live by faith uh, and, and follow Jesus in this teaching. Uh, one is to live simply. Later um, in Luke, Jesus teaches more about, um, about greed and just, yeah, about this, you know, storing up stuff for ourselves in this life. Luke's really concerned for this and often highlights Jesus' teaching in this area. Jesus says in Luke 12, 15, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. This is so difficult, though, isn't it? In, in a world and a culture, society that's characterized by hyper-consumption. That's um, consuming far more than is necessary and actually far more than we can actually use. Uh, a culture that's defined by hyper-consumption, by fast fashion, by Amazon Prime delivery. Earlier in Luke, just now, just earlier in the, the chapter, when, when Jesus sends the 12 out, he, he sends them out in this way. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Uh, not saying uh, when we go on mission, we take nothing, like kind of zero, zero cash, um, no possessions, but rather Jesus is saying there's, there's a, we need to understand that financial and material resource are not the most important. Uh, they're much less important in God's economy than spiritual resources and relational resources. Um, and I was preaching on that last week, so if you want, if you want more on that, you can go and check uh, that out for, for that passage. Um, so let's live, seek to live simply and rely on the Lord. And second, give sacrificially. Um, here's a quote from uh, C.S. Lewis. It talks about about our giving, and of course we're coming up to a Mission Partner Gift Day, aren't we? And it's a good opportunity for us to review how we're giving, not just financially, but in other areas as well. Not just to the church, but in other areas of our life as well. And Lewis, I think, gives us a really good piece of advice here. He says, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc., is up to the standard common among those with the same income as our own, we're probably giving away too little. If our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say they're too small. 
there ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. I think Lewis like hits it right on the nose there, and it's, that's really challenging. That will be it's pretty challenging for me to read and to hear that, and I wonder if that's the same uh, for you as well. The life of denying ourselves means that we prioritize the needs of others, uh, and we seek God to grow in us a heart that longs uh, for uh, not just well, for, the, for the gospel, for salvation, but for uh, the good of all who are around us, those we know and those we don't know. So let's, yeah, let's, let's give generously um, and sacrificially kind of exhort us uh, in this season as, we, uh, as we've heard from, from Not Deck and the Sandals and we're also supporting the Bayfords in the Mission Partner Gift Day. So follow Jesus by denying yourself. And the second, second part of the of Jesus' sentence to us. Follow Jesus by taking up your cross. Whoever wants to be my disciple, Jesus said, must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. In a world that craves prestige and acceptance, Jesus calls us to be willing to stand for his word and his ways. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of my here is the faith, a German pastor and theologian, Second World War in Nazi Germany. Uh, he wrote this uh, about these words of Jesus. When Christ calls someone, he bids them, come and die. When Christ calls someone, he bids them, come and die. And he's saying, take up your cross. I mean, Jesus hadn't, hadn't been crucified yet, and, he, and yet he's bringing in, he's saying, you've got to take up your cross, this instrument of death. Dying, dying to self and living for Christ. Being a Christian, Jesus says, is not easy. Jesus never promised us that. It, following Jesus involves living distinctly when the world around us says and does other than the words and the ways of Jesus. And Jesus goes on, verse 26, says these really hard words, serious words. He says, whoever's ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. To follow Jesus in the 21st century West, I put it to you, is, is to be out of step with uh, the culture on, on many fundamental issues, whether that be hyper-consumption or whether that be questions of sexual relationships and identities, whether that be populist leaders, whether that be notions of justice and redemption in uh, the public sphere, whether that be the right to life of the unborn and the elderly, whether that be the importance of personal integrity uh, in what we do and we say, and, and many others. You know, we are witnesses of Jesus, ambassadors for Christ, and the question he asks us here is, is, is he going to recognize us uh, when he returns? Is he going to recognize me and you in the, in the way that we are living and witnessing for him? I think all of us need to recognize that there are going to be areas for all of us where actually, if we're honest and we take a step back and we look, we're going to realize that we've become deeply complicit with uh, the world's purposes and pressures 
and systems rather than God's, where acceptance, the acceptance and prestige of the world actually has become to me more to us than the honor of Christ. It's so easily done. Uh, it may even be something that is like subconscious. It's like habitual. We maybe don't even recognize it until uh, a light is shone upon it. So to follow Jesus is to not be ashamed of him. Do not be ashamed of Jesus. Two quick ways we can do this. One is to be ready. Uh, Hear these words from uh, Peter. 1 Peter 3, letter written by the Apostle Peter in the Bible. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Let's be ready. Let's not let these things catch us on the back foot. Uh, Let's know and be confident about what Jesus teaches uh, on different issues, perhaps issues that face us in our work or in our family, in our community, in our networks. If you're If we're going to take up a cross each day, let's know why we're doing it, and let's be committed to it. Um, And I love how Peter in this, that verse, balances, like, be ready to give an answer. Be ready to give an account, always. Uh, Be ready to share your testimony uh, with others. Be ready to share your reasoning for why you're doing or not doing a particular thing. Um, But do it with gentleness and respect. Be, be gentle and loving. Have the love of God uh, for those around us. And that brings us to the second, uh, the second way we, we live this, which is to be wise. Let's be wise um, about this. Here's some words from Jesus from Matthew, Matthew 10, 16. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Different, distinct. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. And this verse, sometimes we can read it and go, oh, that's a bit, that's a bit strange, Jesus, telling us to be like snakes, you know, snakes are, snakes are bad. Snake, snakes are the form the devil took in the Garden of Eden. Um, but Jesus is saying, be wise. The, the Greek word shrewd here uh, means a sense of be sensible, thoughtful, prudent, wise. It's actually the word that's used of the person that builds their house on the rock, not the sand. Jesus says, be wise um, in, in how and where uh, we, we stand up um, for him. Let's choo- choose your timing. Um, and let's always seek to win people and not arguments. In the early church, the, the first centuries after uh, Christ ascended, it was raised and ascended, um, there was intense persecution, and actually the church began to have to deal with this, um, this, a problem that we had very zealous Christians who just wanted to uh, put themselves in a position to get martyred, to die for the faith, because, you know, I'm not seeking to save my life, I want to lose it. And actually, uh, the, the church leaders had to really <laughs> start to encourage people, no, don't don't go seeking this. Be wise. Obviously, be prepared and be ready uh, to stand up for Jesus. But we don't go out seeking to uh, become martyrs and put ourselves um, in, in positions um, 
Rather, let's seek to be wise and discerning and always trusting the Lord and His Holy Spirit to guide us um, in these perhaps really difficult situations. And maybe you'll feel in a really difficult, compromising position at the moment in your life, um, at work perhaps, or in a different, or something else in a different situation. Let's seek the, the, the shrewdness, the, the prudence that that Jesus offers us by his Spirit. So, uh, to finish, the final uh, verse, uh, what Jesus says in this, this section, verse 27. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. It's like, wait, Jesus, I thought you said you're not, you're not a king. You said it's all about denying ourselves and, and you're going to be put to death. And, but Jesus says, no, I, I have a kingdom. I am a king, but it's not of this world. Jesus is a king. He has a kingdom, and that kingdom is advancing, but it's an upside-down kingdom. It's the, it's the kingdom of God where, uh, which the, the world can never truly uh, understand. It advances through self-denial and taking up of a cross, as Jesus is going to show us when he goes uh, to Calvary and dies on the cross for us. Um, And a couple of thoughts just as we land. One is, it sounds very tough and so difficult, doesn't it? And I think it should. That's what Jesus wants it to feel like for us. But be assured, we're not required to be flawless. What Jesus is after is, is, is our posture, not perfection. We're, we're called to posture ourselves uh, to follow him um, and to be ready and to be wise, not to get everything right all the time because we can't do it in our fallen nature. Um, Paul, in his letters to the Philippians, sort of connects with this. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies that really struggle with this and our minds, so that they will be like his glorious body. Peter, the one who, who the penny first dropped, he's the first human in, in the Gospels to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. The, the, the angels and the demons know it already, but Peter says, you're the Messiah. He's the one who later is going to deny Jesus three times, deny that he ever knew him. He was not perfect, but he was postured towards Jesus. We're not called to perfection, but we are called to posture ourselves uh, to Jesus. And a second thought, uh, kind of concluding thought, uh, is there's a call to repentance as well. Like we're, part of that posture, I think, is to be willing to come to God and recognize where we need to just confess, Lord, I'm so sorry, I've, I've, I've realized I've been compromising in this way. I'm, I've been ashamed of you and your word in this way. Um, and just laying that out before the Lord, and we'll have a time to do that in prayer uh, just now. But I want to finish uh, by reading um, a very early Christian worship song. comes from the first century, comes from Philippians chapter 2. It's in the Bible, very early hymn um, written by Paul. Um, 
And this just captures uh, who, who Jesus is, what kind of Messiah he is. And um, just as we were praying, we, before the service, we pray in the side chapel, and we have this wonderful stained glass window there. I took a little snap of it. I wonder if we can put that up, if, if, we, um, if we got it on the system. Yes, there it is. Please do, do go and see the side chapel. Come for a prayer after us. Or come and have a look. Um, this is the it's actually called the Chapel of the Resurrection, and you see here there's an angel pointing upwards. He's not here. He's risen, um, and the, that top window has got um, angel. You might not be able to see it too clearly, but it's got angels carrying a crown, the crown of Jesus, and the crown that he wears um, in heaven. So uh, let's keep that up as I read uh, these words uh, from Philippians. Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So he denied himself. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He took up his cross for us. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name. He's glorified that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Uh, that's, that's the future, the future kingdom that will be recognized by all. But those who are called to follow Jesus now, in the, in the now but not yet, we're called to confess that even now as we anticipate its fullness. Uh, would you please stand and, and let's pray and the band can um, come up uh, to lead us in our final worship song. If you've got uh, small children, I'll get into the time where it's time to pick those up. So if you do need to go to pick them up, just um, be released to that. And let's have a time to pray now. Um, so I pray, Lord, would you come by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and... Move amongst us now and highlight to us what you really are seeking to put your finger on for us this morning. Lord, we just bring before you any areas we, we just need to repent, we need to confess. Um, even if we're just not even sure like what the way forward is, but we want to recognize it, just invite you to bring that before the Lord now in, in your heart. Would you, would you come, Holy Spirit, into these situations? Thank you, Lord. You're the God who transforms, the God who heals, who breaks through, who gives courage, who gives wisdom, who gives the words to say when we're not prepared. Lord, would you come into these situations, into our hearts, into these habits, or just into these places where we're just aware we've got so bent out of shape by the world we live in. Come, Lord, uh, to heal. Lord, we, we want to choose to posture ourselves towards you uh, today. Thank you for for the example, the life of Jesus, his death on the cross for us. Thank you. It's not about being perfect, but we follow him. We posture ourselves towards him. And give us opportunities, Lord, to stand for you 
Let us be wise. Let us be ready. Let us uh, live simply, but rich, simply in the world's terms, but rich in the kingdom of God's terms. Let us give generously of all we have. Come, Lord, and be enthroned uh, in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.